0: Thank you for tuning into the Springs Church Podcast. Here, you'll find messages that are powerful, inspiring, but most importantly, straight from the Word of God. If you're located near Toccoa, Georgia or in Toccoa, Georgia, we'd love to see you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Enjoy today's message and remember, we love you, Toccoa.
1: If you have your Bible this morning, let's turn it quickly to Mark 5, 1, verse 1 to 20. Once you hear the passage I'm going to use now, you'll understand why we've been having hindrances. Um, <laughs> you'll understand why. Um, you'll understand why. Mark 5, verse 1, verse 20, verse 20, let's read it together. And it says, he went across the lake to the region of the Whatever, whatever they call that. When Jesus got out the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lives in the tomb and no one could bind him anymore. Pay attention to that word. This man lives in the tomb and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chain. Apart and broke the iron on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Hallelujah. But Jesus came. Not in day among the tombs and in the hills that he will cry out, cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his, on his knees. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And, and, Number six, (laughs) he shouted at top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? See, this guy never met Jesus, didn't know him, but he knew his name, he knew his style. And he was living in tombs, how did he know? Because he was out of... The environment, normal people. Well, he knew when he saw. He knew his name. He knew the title. Hallelujah. What do you want me? What do What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? High God, and God's name. Don't torture me, for Jesus had said to him, "Come out of this man, you impure spirit." Um. Then Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Um. And let me, let me correct this. I'm going to do a little teaching here. Um. And I know some people have the, when you're doing deliverance, sometimes you just do it and everything leaves. That's, it's not true. Because we just see in the passage, Jesus said that spirit to, to leave, the spirit didn't leave the first time. And he's the son of God. So if you've never done deliverance, don't come and tell me, oh, you should do it one time. Please don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Legion. This guy, these other persons having a conversation with the Son of God. He's having conversation. They're talking, you know. And he replied, For we are many and beg Jesus again and again. They're having conversation. The Son of God. The first time he said to leave, this guy's arguing. That demonic spirit is arguing, having a conversation. Uh, he replied, For we are many, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send, not to send them out of the place, territorial. is because he wasn't even care about that person, but that location. That zip code, that family, that spirit did not want to live. And he again sent him a large herd of pigs was feeding onto the, the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirit came out and went into the pigs, the herds, about 2,000 and number, rush down down the steep bank into the lake and we are drowned. Let's bow and pray. If I got right now, I take authority against any demonic spirit right now, any, any distraction, anything that will stop us not to preach this message. Lord, thank you for that next season in this church. Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with your anointing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm asking you to fill us right now with your presence. Fill us with your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you had a graph um, to look at the... Bring it down, guys. Bring it down. Um, if we had a graph to, to show the world population before the 1800, before 1900s, you will see since the beginning of civil, civilization, the world population never grew. It stayed at a line like this. Even, even during Jesus' time, the average life span was close to 40 to 50. It was not until the discovery of penicillin and the discovery of bacteria when they started developing medication that the human race, if you look into the graph, jumped from 40 to 80. And the reason people were dying is because of bacteria. Because of bacteria. That means you could give birth and the doctor just pulled the baby and touched the hand with their, all them. You know, nurse, we have doctors there. You know, people don't wash their hands, they didn't know nothing about bacteria. Bacteria was killing mankind. But they could not, you could not see bacteria with your normal eyes because there were not enough technology. To discover bacteria until 171800, to saw a little microscopic. but bacteria was there. It was part of humanity but you could not see it with the naked eye until they discover penicillin. They start discovering medication to fight bacteria. That's when you have surgery, the doctor come with the hand, they pull the baby and then it's only got chance you made it. I know some of you don't like to wash your hands. Please wash your hand, please. <laughs> hand sanitizer. Thank you, Jesus. And we know during the pandemic, what they, were, that what they were teaching us is keep washing your hand. Wash your hand. Wear masks. Wash your hand. Wash your hand because bacteria travels, even though you don't see it, is there. And I want to tell you this morning just because you don't see demonic spirit does not mean they do not exist. Let me say this again. For the 21st modern century, the backslidden church, who doesn't believe there's another world out there? Let me remind you right now, this morning, America. Let me remind you, backslidden church, who doesn't talk about the devil? Let me tell you, this is a story. Jesus, the son of God, having a clash with demonic spirit with the different realm. And I want to tell you today, whether you like it or not, they're here, they're around us. Right. And just because you don't see them, it doesn't mean they do not have the effects on your life. Yeah. Right. Are you with me this morning? Yes. The story that we read this morning is one of the most, is that like God gave us a picture of what the enemy wants to do with us. It's only by God's grace and God's favor and God's protection that demon hasn't killed us. It's only by God's supernatural protection. And some of us is just great, and some of us because somebody prayed for you. The Bible says, night and day, this is the first point, night and day, among the tombs and the hill he will cry out. The Bible said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be on your guard, stay awake. You have an enemy who is warring like a lion, sneaking around to find who who he may devour. The enemy loves to operate in darkness, he doesn't want to be exposed just like the bacteria. They're there. You can't see it until you have a microscopic vision. So you can see it, it exists. You cannot see it. And they because they hide in a different realm. You have to have a special glasses to see them. And it's the same thing with the demonic spirit. You cannot see them, but you have to have special glasses, which is your spiritual eyesight to see the effects upon your life. And, and the enemy loves darkness. That's why. That's where he hides. Darkness is basically a, an atmosphere of deception, where Satan operates. He doesn't want people to talk about it. He doesn't want people to know about them because the more you don't talk about them, the more he has more power over you. It's just like a spy. If you have a spy working with, among us, they act like us. They talk like us. They don't want you to discover who they are because if you discover who they are, they're plain blown. If there's darkness, Satan is more powerful. This demons more powerful to act in darkness. That's why he doesn't want us to talk about it. That's that's why you saw the microphone is messed up. That's why a lot of time you come in here, you see things are messed up because the enemy doesn't want us to expose his works. And i know we don't want to talk about those things but we have to tell the truth we have to preach the full gospel it's not only god bless us doing this fast yes we pray for god bless us but there's an enemy out there who doesn't want you to grow spiritually there's an enemy out there who doesn't want you to pray there's an enemy out there who doesn't want to grow spiritually there's an enemy out there that don't want your family to be okay he'll create everything he can to destroy your family to create pain because he, he's a warring lion He's a murderer. That's the mission of the enemy. Are you with me this morning? And that's the reali- reality. The Bible said the enemy and we can see this guy and we're trying to break down his life. First thing the enemy took him, he took him to the tombs. He took, temp- he took, temp- took him to a place of cemetery, a lonely place, a place of death, a place of no life a place of isolation, a place of no relationship. When you're under the influence of the enemy, first thing he'll try to do is pull you away from other believers. Because I'm not talking to the world, I'm talking to the believers. I'm talking to people who go to church. One of the first things they will do, just like this guy, he pull him away from the normal, normal lifestyle. He, he pull him away, he create isolation and that's the, it's the law of the jungle if you ever watch and that geo you always see that the enemy the lion always attack when a, when a little gazelle stay away from the herds he's always attacked the one that stays behind it's the same way it is he'll create isolation the highest form isolation is is to think you don't need nobody oh did I say that you think you don't, know, you don't need no one you don't need nobody to pray for you. You don't need a church. You own your own church. You even baptize yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and you the highest form of isolation. And I really believe the enemy used COVID for that reason. Because COVID really pulled a lot of people away and then he used it. You better believe it, the devil was behind this thing. You better believe it. This thing was from hell to stop the progress of the church. Because more churches in our denomination, church, so many churches have closed. Because when church closed, darkness, more darkness covered the earth. So he brought them in a place of cemetery. You know, he created him, he created division between the people that he loves. He created division between the people that cares for him. And, and that's what Danny does. He creates that. everybody's against you. You find a good church that love, we're not trying to promote our church, but you find a good church next and, you know, this so-and-so, this pastor look at me, he then say hello to me. I'm not going to church. Every church are hypocrite. Well, guess guess what? There's nobody perfect. The moment you step at that church, the church was messed up. You didn't know that? You mess it up because you got jumped. <laughs> and I can see it over you. <laughs> There's no perfect church. He brought him to a place of desolation. Oh, not only that, he, pl- he brought it in, in, into a place of fear. You know, before we bought the house in Worceton, there was a nice house. A nice house, uh, Victorian kind of stuff, nice, you know, very nice house. And, but when we checked the house, they were selling it cheap. I said, that's not, that house looks nice. Man, I love the old columns and stuff, very, very Victorian kind of stuff. And I checked online and I found that house. Buy a cemetery. I said, no. I he doesn't buy a for $100. I'm not going to. God, good luck. You, you're more spiritual than me. <laughs> but I said, me? I'm not buying a house by a cemetery. I don't think the house is probably still in the market. Nobody wants to buy it. I'm just being straight up with you. I'm not going to spend the night finding demons. No, I want to sleep. <laughs> you hear one step and oh, what is that? Nobody but the house. Some I know we don't doubt. That the house looks nice, but because it was by a place of cemetery and the tombs, it was in a place of fear. Oh, the enemy loves to attack us with their spirit of fear. You don't know that? Fear often often takes the form of phobias, social anxiety disorder which is known as social phobia, you, that you, 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 don't wanna, you don't wanna have, you don't wanna you, you have to have relationships, I don't like people, that's why I don't wanna come to church, I don't like people. Boy, it, it, too many people, crowd, and sometimes you think it's normal, but sometimes it's not you. It's the enemy putting those thoughts in your mind. Oh, that just busts the 21st century millennial, oh, I don't like people, keep it away from me. <laughs> And not only that, the way the enemy used that, a lot of us, he keep you in bondage because of fear. Um, s- such, such meeting people, engaging, even jobs. Some, some people are scared to go to Atlanta to find a good job because they're scared of driving on the, on the highway. And you think it's normal. I scared the big, I scared. I don't want to go ask for that job because I'm scared to drive. Oh, can you go with me? And sometimes you think it's normal, but it's a way in the enemy trap you for you not to take the next step in your life. He created those fears in your life. And some of us think it's just normal, but you don't want to apply for that job because you think you're not going to get it. You think it's not because Demi's putting those thoughts in your mind saying you're not qualified for this. Social anxiety disorder. Demi wants to keep you in dead places. He wants to keep you in place of no life. He doesn't want your life to be changed. He wants you to be around dead things. Because in tombs, there's, there's, there's bones, there's dead things. There's nothing life there. And, that, that's, and that's, that's the goal of the enemy in our life is to keep us in dead places. Places that there's no growth. Places, dead bones, dead relationship, dead people, you know, dead things. He wants you to keep you around those things, dead things. That's his plan. That's his man. That's what he did to this man. He kept him to dead places. Some of you have to get rid of those old bones, dead dry bones. That's been dead relationship. Dead people don't hang out with them because they're dead. They don't have nothing good coming out of their mouth. It's only death. It's only negativity. It's only say, look at so and so. You think you oh, all that always putting you down. They don't want you to go up. They don't want you to find a better life. They don't want you to find a husband. They don't want you to, to, to have a good life they, because they're in that place of death. They want you to stay there. Not only that, the Bible says, this man, this man living in the tomb and no one could bide him anymore. Not even with a chain. He was out of control. He was wow. He acted, he acted like an animal. Out of control. And looking at this passage, you can't deny yourself that what you see in the society is like. Everything that we know is out of control. Why will somebody show part of their body on TikTok, on Facebook, things that nobody wants to see? That is, I know, oh, oh, they don't like this thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> what? These things is only for your spouse to see. I don't need to know you work at the gym. It's not only women, it's men. It's pastors too. I don't want to see your six pack, 24 packs, 65 packs. Keep that to yourself. I have one pack. (laughs) I don't want to see that. Oh, look at my hot wife! Why I, I don't want to see your wife in bikini. That's your. That's why, out of control, out of control. Society's out of control. No restraint. No restraint. Sleep to mo- Monday morning with somebody. Tuesday with somebody. Wednesday with somebody. Thursday with somebody. They call it. Uh, uh here and what? Right, how they call it? Um, how do they? Whatever they call it nowadays, I don't know. But 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 they change they change they change boyfriend and girlfriend like underwear. Uh, yeah. Out of control. Out of control. Why would somebody sing about shooting their mom? Why? What's what that's out of control? Why would you sing a song to degrade somebody else? Yeah. Out of control. We don't you don't see it. It's like, it's like everything that we know, as we shrink, we lost that. And it's not only the world, the church is losing it. Out of restraint, out of order, lost control, glorifying murder, glorifying possibility, glorifying lost control, uncontrollable profanity. It's blank, 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 blank. Hey, how you doing? Blank, 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 blank. You doing okay? Blank, blank. I said, okay, do you have any word? Do you have any vocabularies? Can you just speak normal? What language you are speaking? Because I know that's what the generation, that's how they speak. Uncontrollable, profanity, no restraint. Because that, the Bible says Prophet, people who cannot control themselves, is like a city without walls. We, I think we are witnessing the moral collapse of society. And you know, every day I'm, I'm sitting down saying, this is heavy. God, how do we wish this, this generation? Don't tell me it's always, I know there's always, because I always have to, to go the other way. Don't tell me it was always the same way, because I know some people are making, oh, it almost always like that. No, that's not true. It wasn't always like that. They didn't have TikTok at my parents' age. If somebody wanted to do witchcraft, they had to go on the other side of town. Now you turn TikTok, and they do witchcraft right there in front of you. Years ago, you had to go to the store to get, go get a porn magazine. Please don't tell me I, I can bust your bubble. Don't argue with me. It wasn't like that. Wickedness is increasing. Because we have a speed of information. Now we have it. We've seen the collapse in the, collapse in the church and outside the world. It's not natural to live in a graveyard. It's not natural to live in a tomb. and when you under the influence of the enemy, you will do unnatural things. You will have unnatural desire. It's not normal to live in a tomb. The Bible says he, he had, when you under the influence your desire change. You have taste for things that's not normal. That's when you're under the influence of the enemy. You have taste for things that's not normal. you confuse. It's not only the world, but we know it's happening in the church too. When you're under the influence of the enemy, because you have open, you have open doors. You have taste for death. You have taste for unnatural things. Things against nature. This man lives in the grave. He lives close to death death was pleasant for him suicidal rate is on the rise by 33% between 1999 and 2019 they say suicidal is the 10 leading cause of death in America because when you when you allow demonic spirit to be in your life you open doors you become comfortable with death a lot of those things those kids are suffering because they open doors Because when you open the door, the enemy will send a suicidal spirit on you, that's the truth. Bench drinking, high intensity drinking, it's not only older people drinking, but people are drinking like, kids are drinking like crazy, like grown-ups. 25 million people are addicted to alcohol, church, or outside of church. When you allow the enemy to come to your life, he'll give you a taste for dead things. Why would somebody wants to take advantage of a kid, of a minor? And let me say this, if you're looking at me, gov- California governor, you will have to respond to God one day, because I heard you passing a law right now to make minor, they, he wants to drop the, 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 the crime, The crime. if you, if you, if you molested a kid, you used to get 20, 35 prison, he wants to drop it. Let me tell you, that your death recording is coming. You will have to give an answer to God. You can't, that is not normal. What's his name? What's the cover his name? No, I'm not even going to say his name. Evil. How do they call that uh, attraction to, towards minor, they call it? Minor attractive person. Minor, minor attractive person. That's what senator said. Oh, don't, 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 don't do anything to him. Oh, they, they, have a, they they're just not normal. They have an tr- attraction for minors. I said, well, just try to touch my kid. You see what happened. I mean, I'll be there Sunday, but just try it. Those it might take a long time to judge you. I will judge you fast. <laughs> oh, I should have said that. You will know there's a God. I will be in the judgment faster. <laughs> but that's not normal. And we're trying to glorify it. Because let me tell you, you don't believe it's going to happen. The next five years, you will see. They will make it legal for somebody who is a grown man who wants to go out with a, with a 12, 11-year-old kid. That is not normal. An attraction for death. Why would somebody wants to take something that's killing them? Why will you take drugs when you know drugs will kill you? Because one thing drugs does, it disconnect your frontal lobe with your normal brain, so you can't make radical, rational decision. You know what, this is what the enemy does. That's why he's pushing the... You see Colorado who, who, Colorado and Seattle, you know, they, they, they legalize drugs and stuff. You can see when you go to the cities like it's a mess because there's people taking drugs. So one thing drug does to you, it disconnect your frontal lobe that helps you make decision, left and right. That's why they shoot their mom for that, for that drug because they don't know left and right. And the way those speed works with you, listen to this. This is why you don't take drugs. The way God used you to speak to you to tell you left and right. Listen, take notes. He used your frontal lobe to tell you, the conscience of your mind, to tell you, this is not good, this is not bad. When you read the Bible, the Bible says, don't commit sin, don't do this. It goes to your frontal lobe. So when you're about to sin, your frontal lobe sent a message said, don't do this. But if your frontal lobe is messed up, so even though if, if, he, just, he just got it, if your frontal lobe is messed up, you don't know what's right what's wrong now you understand why people take it to do witchcraft because the Bible compare drugs just like witchcraft it takes that part of your brain so you can't make rational decision that's why you stay home and not work and you can't pay your bills and you say oh I didn't pay the bills but you were <laughs> you are so high and then and how you out at, the, out at the work because you lost why do you think they don't let you drive? If they find you under DUI, you got drugs, they arrest you because they know you can't change lane, you kill somebody. Yeah. And, you know, the way they promote drugs, it's like they said, this woman, if you take it, it'll kill you. This is, the, this, this is the one that killing people in the street and people say, that's what I want. And they have the desire for death. And why will somebody, let me leave that drug thing apart, but why will somebody wants to get in the bed with a married person? Yeah. You know he's married. You know, you got kids. Unnatural desire. All the people you can see, you see that married man. You give him that, la- give him last eyes. You know, trying to seduce them. And man, you have a good wife staying around with the kids. All you think about is to get in the bed with that lady. Unnatural desire. That's not normal. And God give you a good wife. a natural desire. Taste for death. That's why you have to watch yourself when you open doors, you hear me? Oh, everybody's getting quiet on me. (laughs) The love for what is death, drug is death, it'll kill your brain. The love to sin, the love to take crystal, why you wanna take crystal? And people say, that's what I want. And they take that crystal, but, and that's what they, they have that interest for death. That's what the Bible says, he lives around the tombs. He became comfortable with dead things. If you see your life, if you start having attraction for dead things, you better know you're under the influence of the enemy. Yes. But today I have good news for you. Jesus can set you free. Yes, I'm not only talking to the world, I'm talking to the church, Christian people. The Bible says, and this is another thing, enemy attacks. A lot because a lot of people don't talk about that. Luke 835, he says, He says, when they came to see him, they found the man from whom the demons has gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind. He was not in his right mind before. And let me say this is we balance, we are very balanced. Church, my brother suffered with mental illness. He passed away. I understand. We're not saying every mental illness. Please don't go take take a clip and say, Pastor, say every mental illness is demonic. That's not what I'm saying. I got family who suffered. My brother suffered for 50 years with mental illness. He cannot do anything for him. My parents had to take care of him. He couldn't even feed himself. 55. He finally passed away. We have to take care of him, wash him, give him bath, feed him. Can't function. And he'll beat you, too. I took a lot of beating from him. And we love him. And I'm not saying that. Okay, let me get to the point. But one of the things the enemy does, and I know because we, because we have done deliverance on many people, one of the things the enemy will attack is your mind. You can't have peace. You, you have anxiety, depression, and mental torment at night that you can't even share with your spouse, the closest person. It's like you're suffering in the mind. You have depression, anxiety. You have bad image. You scare. You fear. And you voices. You may not want to tell people because some of us, we stay quiet. But every morning you wake up, it's like it's a mental anguish mental anguish, you can't even explain it. You don't even want to share it with people. But in your mind, it's like, man, it's like you're carrying a weight over your head. And that's the reality. And sometimes the enemy, and, and Des is not here, Savannah's not here, but they share the story. They tell you they deal with depression, with, with, with anxiety, with paranoia for life for so many long time. And they thought, they took pills, they took everything they could do to, to, to help that, but nothing worked. Daisy couldn't even travel. Her husband there, she was scared to travel getting in the airplane because she was so much anxiety. Paranoia, hearing voice. And sometimes when you open doors, you really hear those things in your mind and you think it's normal. Sometimes the pain that you suffer in your mind is greater than the pain outside. Because I suffer it too. I suffered the pain like I showed last week. It's like every morning I woke up, I could see death. I, everything I could see is something bad's going to happen. And I thought it was normal. Let's go to the next thing. He says, the legion of demons made the madman cut himself with stones. This man was self-destructive. But that's not what cut my intention he said with stones with stones that's been he he systematically destroy himself it's like he goes and pick up say let me look for that stone that probably do a better job so I can cut myself it wasn't just a random thing because he had to pick it up and see if the stones is sharp enough because you cannot take any stone to cut yourself. Are you getting this this morning? Some of you probably are going to get it when you get home. He systematically chose something to hurt himself. He goes shopping for the right tools. He goes to that right to, he goes to the porn site to find looks cool down to find something to please him. No, I don't like this one. I like this one. He went shopping for death. He went shopping to sleep with someone, someone else. I want to sleep with that person. Shopping for destruction systematically thinking how I can hurt myself. You know that person's not going to stay with you. You know it's not right. You know it's a sin, but you systematically think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna gonna make sure that I dress a certain way so I can bring attraction to that, so I can get this man, that married man, attraction to me. Systematically, Trying to hurt themselves. No, I don't want that drug. I don't want that one. This one's this one's crap. I want this one that's better. No, I want the cold forty-five. When you drink it, it cut your chest. It cut your chest. Ugh, that's the one I want. Now this is that. This is that doesn't have enough alcohol. I need the the one with the high percentage because when I drink it, I feel like a man. I feel like a woman. You know, they do that. And it's not only in the world, but it's the reality. The enemy system I give me you choose to, to destroy yourself. Self-destruction is one of the biggest weapons of the enemy. When the enemy takes all of you, one of the biggest women self-destruction he does is grudges and forgiveness. Oh, let me hit this one. Oh, let me go there. Let me go there. Grudges and unforgiveness the biggest weapon enemy used to get advantage of you because he may not try to get advantage anywhere else unforgiveness let me get down let me get down let me get on your face let me get on your face unforgiveness bitterness grudges is the number one tool enemy uses to keep you in bondage it's the number one doll they may use for him to come have access in your life. It's the number one tool that they may use to destroy you. Now they're even trying to show scientific proven people who have grudges. You know when you go to the cancer doctor first thing they like, say do you have anybody you mad at? Do you have any grudges? Because science is proving that when you, uh, when you not forgive it's sending a certain chemical in your body that gets you sick. And I know some of you say I'm not gonna forgive that person. I ought to die and forgive them. But you're gonna die with your demons too. Because the enemy, when you don't forgive, when you hold grudges against something that happened in the past, God said he forgives you. He said you need to forgive. God said you need to forgive. He said in the Lord prayer, he said, You need to forgive. Forgiveness is not an enemy outside. It's an enemy from within. I read a story of a king that went to, to conquer a city. He could not go in because the city was surrounded by, the city was surrounded by the army. And he could not, the wall was big. And the general was laughing. And one of the soldiers came to him and said, Why are you laughing? He said, He said, Sooner or later that door's going to be open. I'm going to be able to go in. He said, Why? because I have a fifth column I have a fifth enemy inside that demon is in the inside because I have spies on the inside sooner later that door is going to to open and I will bring my army inside and forgiveness some of you need to forgive your, your spouse the one that you married I just heard that the person that you marry right now, you need to forgive them because you still, you, 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 you're smiling, but you still hold a grudges or something they said two, three weeks ago or something they did. Grudges and unforgiveness is one of the biggest power, or the biggest tool of the enemy to use, to destroy you, coding yourself, finding out, I'm not going to forgive that person it's it's like you go and pick up a stone to cut yourself and you think you're hurting that person but you're hurting yourself you think holding that grudges and bitterness is going to hurt that person it's like you're drinking drinking poison and you think drinking that poison is going to kill that person and at the end of the day you don't want to die Michael, Jerry, can you bring the bridge for us? Michael gonna share his story. He's gonna share his story this morning. You're gonna hear his testimony. Get your mic. We're going to be real with you this morning. We're not playing church. Sometime this week, I, 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 I struggle. Sometimes I carry weight. I say, God, why, why? I'm looking I say, I a mean, this is too heavy. I, how can you carry this? I'm looking at pastors who that I look up to, they, you know, they, they're changing their views on, on marriage between a and a woman, people that I look up to. I'm seeing the decline in the church. I'm seeing stuff happening. And sometimes I text my brother, I say, man, how, how, do, you, how do you preach the gospel in this time when, 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 when the world don't want to, even the church don't want to hear the truth? And I said, man, God, you chose us for this time. And, 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 and you know, I, I text him back. I said, Christianity is not supposed to be popular. The moment you become popular, then you drop, your diluted message. We're not trying to be popular. I could care less till Sunday morning I don't show up. That wasn't doing anything to me. But I know what God called us, and we have to be real. I know when I was 2019, when I was at, when I was at 40 years Fast, he said, this is what you're going to do in Tokoa. And I struggle. I struggle. I'm from Omega Church. We know how to do church. We know how to do it. We know how to do it we say we don't want this place to be another church we want to be this place to be a a place of deliverance, a place of healing a place that we don't play church because let me tell you the days are evil what's coming over this world the darkness the next five years if you don't see it I think we're already there so Michael going to share his story Michael tell us um, you start coming here what year you start coming here 2020, yeah. like 20, 20? <laughs> 20. So, so I remember when Michael showed up here, and him and his wife. And by the way, Michael, Michael is an is a elder here. Um, he's an elder at the church. And I remember when I saw Michael and I called him, and I said, I've met a, a lost brother. So the moment I saw him, I, my spirit got connected with him. I felt something was special, him and his wife. And and I saw Michael standing there, and those people was dealing with him. Can you tell us that Sunday (laughs) what was going on? Uh,
0: (laughs) um, Wow, still emotional. (laughs) Uh, For me, I had I gone to a good church um, prior to this church, but for about two, I guess it was two and a half years. I was completely out of church after that, and um, I was very suspicious. Um, I've been burned by churches quite a bit And uh, I didn't know what to think I didn't know if I should trust this guy <laughs> you know, or, um, But I believe uh, Fallock called me one day And uh, he's, he said, you need to come try this out This is the real deal I said, "Oh, okay God I knew, I knew that my, my family and I we, we needed to get back into church I knew I wasn't doing well and um, I knew I needed something. I needed the touch from God. You know, I needed something real in my life again. And so I came in here. <laughs> and um, from that first day, we, my wife and I both, without without even talking to each other, we knew that this is the place that we needed to be. Um, I still had reservations, but... Uh,
1: um, so, tell, tell before you went to deliverance, tell us what was going to your mind. Because explain. tell people, how was your life before you went to deliverance? Oh, my gosh. How, what, was, <laughs> what, how, how, what was going to your mind the way you were living?
0: Um, so, before deliverance, uh, I was absolutely double-minded. Um, I grew up as a Christian, but um, I also lived a secret life of sin. Uh, I had plenty of addiction. I had rage and hatred in my heart. And uh, it was starting to show. Uh, <laughs> I was I was pretty miserable, um, and I started even I started taking a look at myself and felt whoa. This he was talking about. This is not normal. What am I doing? Um, I was doing things that really could have gotten me in trouble and um, could have split my marriage, uh, hurt my kids. You know, and um, it's funny how the enemy will keep you blind to that. But I feel like. God had a different plan for my life. The Holy Spirit started speaking to me anyway in spite of my double-mindedness. And um, he started showing me, hey, this, this is not right. This is not normal. This is not what, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not my plan that I have for you. Um,
1: so, how, You're sharing a couple of things with your mind, the pain, the paranoia, the things that you. Yeah.
0: Um, like I said, I had a lot of pain and hurt. Tended to look to people a lot. Um, I guess as um, I tended, I had a tendency to look to pastors for some reason um, as like the superior, almost father figure kind of thing, and um, I, ten, I had a tendency to put them up on a pedestal. Um, and from being hurt from so many pastors in my past, um, it it created thoughts in my mind of paranoia, like I can't trust anybody I can't um I can't live a normal life I have to do all this on my own I'm, I'm a grown man you know I need to be strong and um but it, what it ended up doing is leading me to be like you're saying paranoid like I was looking for danger around every corner um I expected death to come quickly to me uh, because of the world we lived in um crazy stuff Uh
1: How was your marriage doing before deliverance? Um,
0: before deliverance, my marriage, I was about to leave my wife. I was very angry with her. Um, I later on, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. He said, Michael, you, you hate your wife. And I said, what God? Like my wife and I, I think at the time we had been together nine or 10 years. We had a, a good story. Um, We've been through a lot together, but the things in my heart and the things that I was doing, um, you know, actions speak louder than words and what's in your heart will come out and cause you um, to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And and God said, Michael, you hate your wife. And I said, God, what? I don't hate my wife. He says, yes, you do by your actions. He said, the things you are doing says that you hate your wife. And I thought about that a long time. It's like, God, I, I think you're, you're right. I, I do. I hate my wife. I have hatred and bitterness in my heart for my wife just because of um, different, different things. Um, but after deliverance, So what happened? <laughs> so
1: you, went, you went to that time of us praying for deliverance. And, 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 and for me, every time we, we, we have session, we pray for people. And this is how this is I see it. And for Michael, after he went to deliverance, it, it, it shows me the love of God. It's like, it's like every time I pray for somebody who goes to deliverance, it shows me, wow, the, the power of his love and how God never gave up on us. Every time I walk out, I'm going home, I'm, I, I'm driving, I'm exhausted. you praying for five, six hours with people trying to, you know, and 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 the exhaust but at the same time too i'm rejoicing and i realize, oh he loves us that much he loves us what a love and that's what i experienced when i went to deliverance my wife went through it we went through it. that's what i realized i said man i i i experienced what love the cross the blood of Jesus, what he paid at Calvary, what it mean, this is a whole other level. And I understand why um, um, Mary stayed at the tomb, Mary, that lady with the seven demons. People who go through deliverance, and I'm not, you know, if you've been, never been through it, the Bible said she, she stayed there by the tomb. She lingered there. She stayed there. Whenever everybody left, she stayed at the tomb. And I always ask myself, why? She lingered, she stayed there, she wept for days. Stayed up to two when everybody left. And I really believe because she experienced something that nobody experienced, the freedom that God gave her. And she did not want to leave that place. So after deliverance, what happened to after deliverance? Your face changed that day. (laughs) You look like a different person.
0: I I was a different person. I was absolutely a different person. Um, When I got deliverance, uh, the things that led up to deliverance scared me very bad. And I don't say that to scare people, but um, I think demonic demonic things were happening in my life and they were so powerful, I was blind to it, that by the time they realized, hey, he's about to get rid of us, they came out with a fury. And um, But the Holy Spirit was with me the whole time and there was something that still small voice that just kept on saying, do it, do it anyway, keep going, keep going. And I'm telling you, if I told you my whole story, which we don't have time, <laughs> but um, the things they were doing were scary. They were frightening. This is a real thing. This is not a fake thing. Um, and like he was saying, you know, demons want you to not believe in them. They're, they're most successful operating in the dark. And um, unfortunately, a lot of us are in the dark. We don't We don't even believe, you know, but I promise you, make a change in your heart and you say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to give my whole self to you. I don't want these things anymore. You make that internal change and, um, you will see the reality of the spiritual very quickly. Um, after after deliverance I was very very happy I got full of joy I know that might sound um kind of stereotypical or or whatnot but I was very full of joy I felt like I got saved yes yes. (laughs) I've been a Christian my whole life and uh I had a joy that I never ever felt um when temptation would come against me um I had issues with pornography and addiction with nicotine, alcohol, all that. Um, before I got deliverance, like he was talking about, it's like it would come with it. it would, The temptation would come within me. And I, I felt like I was absolutely hopeless in resisting all these things. I, I literally thought and I had the lie set in my mind. I cannot resist this. I have tried. And I'm like, God, I tried. I can't do this. I cannot do this. I cannot resist these things. After deliverance, they were no longer inside me, and uh, it, it was so so much more easy to resist the devil. I could not believe it. It was literally a miracle in my life that had been done. I, I'm still blown away by that, like um, the the difference and change in my mind, the way I thought about things. Um, the way I acted towards my wife, my family, um, so many things changed, so many things changed.
1: What will you tell somebody who has doubt? Um, and I, I know for you, when, when the past two years, what I've learned from you is the fire in your heart. I mean, you're, you, you can't stop reading the Bible. Oh. Uh, We were we're doing a Bible um, challenge. You finished that thing in less than two, less than a week. And I said, what are you doing, man? (laughs) You can't beat me. (laughs) Um, but, um, But what I've seen in Michael's life and the gifts in his life activated, there's things that God will show me and Michael already know it. He saw it. There's things I question he said this is you know I saw the gift of God more than god does when you've been free it's the gifts activates in your life and I saw that in life, in the hunger to know god the hunger in Michael's life michael has raised above for a lot of us here the hunger for him to do can how many books you read this year on spiritual warfare and,
0: well since i since I got deliverance um I think it's 70 some books now or something I hated reading, by the way. He hated reading. And also, to be honest, I listen to books through Audible and audiobooks. I don't sit there and read most of the time, but still, I did. I had that craving for for knowing God and just learning as much as I could about all this. It's something very wild and awesome to me, so I got interested in it. You know. <laughs>
1: so, Michael, what will you tell somebody today who wants to be free, who's dealing with things that? that uh, what will you? You know, because deliverance is a children's bread. And the church don't want to talk about it because, it, it, because, because you're a Christian, you think you don't have the access, They you don't have access in your life. Listen, your spirit is safe. If you die, you gotta go to heaven. But your flesh, your soul, your flesh, um, it gives you any access if you're not living right. That's why your holiness what I found out this year this is what God told me when God keeps saying the Israelites to live holy at first I thought it was for God no holiness is not about God God wants us to live holy to protect us you can have a different view about holiness the reason you don't watch you don't as a man you don't go and watch porn you don't go involved in those things you watch your heart yes it it destroy it 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 mess up your with God. But if you keep watching it, what happened? Your wife, your view about your wife, you you start comparing with other things, with other women, and your relationship will dry. When God said, "Don't do this, don't do this," it's not because God is God; He doesn't need you. His trying to live holy is to protect you. Do not be unequally yoked. It's not, it's not because God doesn't care. Who cares? He's God. He's, he's complete. He doesn't need you to sustain himself. When God said, do not be unclean, he knows if you're, if you're married with somebody who doesn't have faith, like you, you're going to go to church on Sunday. They're going to drink party ale and stuff. They have a different views. And guess what? You're going to be miserable. Is God miserable? No. You are going to be miserable because they don't have same value with you. So holiness, when we try, because one of the ways you, you keep the enemy in your life is to live holy. And I know that's an old message, but we don't care, like I said. We're gonna, we're gonna blast you with that. You need to live holy. Holiness, keep away those flies. So what will you say, Michael?
0: Um, for people who are still struggling with addictions and, and sin and um, all that stuff, I would say, ask, ask the Holy Spirit. To start showing you, um, that's that's what it, that's all it took uh, for for me to start this whole process. For God to start this project, it took a willingness for me to say, "God, I'm I'm wrong. I, I realize there's something wrong inside of me, and I want to be Yours. I want to be whole. I want I want to have Your fruit. You know, um, it's a dying to self. It really is a dying to self." You start if you start to think that way, and you start to say, Holy Spirit, put your finger on, on these things in my life. Help me to humble myself and show me. Show me. And and then be willing to repent. Let go of let go of these grudges and, and hatred and all the things that well I would I would serve God, but but this and this and this and this and this and this. They are lies, and they keep you in the dark. Stop listening to the lies, and start start looking for God. Like start really seeking Him. Say, God, show me, show me. He will be faithful to show you. I promise you. Um, if he can, if he can make the change in my heart that he did, I promise you, he will do it for you. He wants to. He wants to. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand up on our feet. Thank you, Michael.